Okay. Um, so I think it's always important for us when we're up here at the front to be open and honest. And uh, I'm going to give you a spoiler. Uh, you might have picked it up from that, but it's talking a lot about leadership and how godly leaders are supposed to respond. Um, and of course, I chose to preach this on the day where kind of everything fell apart. <laughs> and even like you're going to see me on my phone the whole time because my notes won't pull up on my tablet. It's just, it's just been a day, you know. So let me just say a prayer real quick. Um, as, as God uses this to also refine me, hopefully he'll use it to refine you as well. Um, so dear Lord Jesus, once again, we just thank you for that word that was read. Uh, we thank you that you care about us um, even in the way that we lead, in the way that we live, that you care about those things. Um, it's not just the end goal, but it, it's also how we live our lives. Um, and so I just pray that um, that would come through as we go into your word today. Amen. Cool. So, jumping right in, um, yesterday I had the privilege of going to see a movie uh, by myself without a baby, which <laughs> was really, really nice, and I saw Oppenheimer, um, and it was great, and it was amazing, and once again, I won't give you any spoilers for it, but it was really good, but it was three hours long, um, which I loved, but like the last hour, I was like, it's that thing where like, I don't want to miss anything, but I kind of need to use the toilet, <laughs> and you're standing there like, okay, what should I do? Um, but thankfully, I made it through, it was a great movie, recommend it, but I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, it's a three-hour movie, it's a very intense subject matter, uh, talking about, you know, nuclear weapons and moral implications and the ethics of it, and it's, it's, like I said, it's kind of intense. And so I was thinking, what if you just walked in in the middle of the movie, sat down, and were like, okay, right, I've got 10 minutes to pick up what's going on, I'm going to leave, and then I'm going to try and explain to somebody else what, what the movie was about, right? It'd be pretty tough, right? And, and this is kind of sometimes what we have to do with some of these letters. Um, and if I could have the slide come up there. Next one. Okay, so you'll see this word sometimes, epistle. It just means letter. Uh, if you want to sound like you know a lot about the Bible, you can be like, oh, yes, of course, the epistle. Um, there's, your, there's your word for the day. But it means letter. But with, you know, maybe especially the younger people in here looking around, you're probably not writing letters to people. Yeah, yeah, I don't write them anymore either. So, you know, but think of anything you're doing. So a, a letter, a text message, uh, whatever, Snapchat. Whatever it is, there's context, right? If we just pick it up and look at it, we might not know what you're talking about. Uh, I can kind of guarantee that if the younger people here um, were saying some of the slang, the older people would probably be like, what is happening? Like, what is Riz? I don't know what that is. O older, maybe more mature people, do you know what Riz is? No, exactly. Younger people, do you know what Riz is? Yeah? Okay, exactly. So here's the thing. Um, there's context going on. So whenever we read these letters, uh, what we want to do is, is think about what would it be like and what is the point of the letter. Um, so if I have the next slide. Okay, so these are kind of the questions we want to ask, right? Uh, so what is for them, the original people that the letter is being written to? Uh, what is for us? And kind of what is maybe for everybody, right? Um, so obviously, and correct me if I'm wrong, nobody here lives in Corinth. Uh, thousands of years ago, right? So some of the stuff might not apply to us. There's context, there's things going on. So what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and look at this and see maybe what was going on at their time, but also what's happening now that we could apply this to, okay? So hopefully you'll join in with me as we kind of work through this. So just a couple of things to note. Um, sometimes it's helpful, once again, to get the context uh, is 
Corinth, right? This is 1 Corinthians. It's written to the church in Corinth. Um, and it was a really strategic port town, right? And it's really strategic because it sits kind of adjacent to two different seas. Uh, and so Rome thought it was important. It was a big center for trade. Um, there was lots of money, lots of immorality, lots of bad things happening there. And kind of people have maybe described it as, um, if you could kind of think of the worst, not the worst cities, but the kind of the bad parts of cities, right? Like, um, I think I have the next slide there. Yeah, so you can kind of think, not that these cities are bad by any means, but think of kind of London, Berlin, Amsterdam, Dublin, right? You think of like the money and the prestige and the maybe some of the bad things as well that come along with just big cities. Sometimes that's kind of Corinth, right? It's, it's this, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of money, a lot of greed and the things that go with that, okay? Um, and sometimes it can be really easy for us because we, we hear sometimes people talking about it and we'll kind of say, oh, well, you know, Christians... You know, today we have it really bad. We live in a really evil time, blah, 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 blah. Um, but just to kind of give us a highlight without getting into details is Paul's writing this letter to a church who's asked him questions. And some of the questions that are asked him were pretty intense stuff. And he's basically saying to them, like, you're doing these things that even people who aren't Christians wouldn't do. And you're saying you can kind of do them. Um, and there's a bunch of uh, like sexual immorality, there's a bunch of um, taking advantage of people, there's a bunch of uh, doing things in kind of the name of God to abuse other people. And we can sometimes sit there once again and kind of be like, yeah, we live in this really hard time now. Um, but in many ways, like, doesn't that sound a lot like maybe our times now, right? Greed, mismanagement of wealth, abusing people. Um, the church hurting people and saying they're doing it in the name of God, right? Those are familiar things that I think we can probably all grasp, right? So that's kind of the context of what's going on here. Um, and so what Paul does is he goes in and he kind of tries to address this. Um, and I just want to say before we jump in, um, sometimes, depending on your church background or who taught you maybe, sometimes we can see some of these passages where somebody's correcting somebody. And once again, maybe sometimes we don't take the context in. And sometimes what we'll do is we'll kind of get more interested in the, the tone. Like, oh, Paul is really like, he's, he's giving it to them, you know? He's teaching them a lesson. And then kind of sometimes, and unfortunately Bible teachers can do this too, sometimes we'll say, instead of looking at like, well, what was the message about? What was the point? Um, is he trying to encourage them? Is the gospel coming through here? We'll just focus on the negative. And kind of almost like, well, like, I want to preach a message that's really convicting and makes people, you know, upset with themselves afterwards. And, and it'd be great if nobody's experienced that, then really good. But I just want to be careful and say that that's not the point of this. Um, and even for the sermon today, that that's not the point. The point isn't to take away and say, oh, you know, like how terrible we are and how bad we are. That's not the point. This is supposed to be encouraging and the gospel is supposed to come through for this. So I just want to say that before we jumped in. Um, I could have the next slide there. Cool. So one last thing to note, and then we'll get into it, is Paul is in the right. So when he is saying some of the things he says in here, they had like really bad theology. Uh, they're saying that they can do things, things that you, like, like I said, wouldn't think of. Even, even if you were to say to a non-Christian person here in Ireland, hey, do you think this is morally okay? They'd go, uh, no, you can't do that. That's terrible. That's wrong. 
Um, and they're kind of saying, oh, well, we can do it because we're saved. And so we can kind of almost do whatever we want. Um, and so he's in the right. And what I think is really important to notice here is he's falsely accused as well. Is they kind of say, well, Paul, who are you to tell us what to do? And you can see he talks in there about Paulos, and I would have talked to him last time I was here. But he's kind of got everything going for him. Like, he's very much in the right. He hasn't done anything wrong. They're questioning kind of God. They're kind of questioning his authority. And what ends up happening is he gives them this response where he tells them kind of where they're wrong. But I think it's really important for us to notice is how he does it. As a Christian, how he does it. And I think that's the thing for us to pick up, is we might not exactly be dealing with all these same things, all these same instances, but we get to see how a leader handles these things. And I think this is really important because I don't think it's far for us to think about um, whether it's somebody in church or outside of church. I, I mean, once again, for the younger people here, once again, it'd be great if your teachers were just brilliant teachers who've never made any mistakes. But I remember having teachers who were just not good people. Like, they just weren't nice to me. And I had wonderful teachers as well. I had parents who sometimes made a mistake. I had, you know, we have these leaders. We have people who uh, coach sport team. We have business people. We have all these people in all these positions of leadership. And they kind of don't always do it the right way. And what's really interesting to see is, okay, that's one thing, right? We can see those things quickly. But how does God want us to lead? And that is really special. And I think that's something, especially here in Ireland, that we have uh, not go far to see that there is something missing sometimes with how the church has treated people, how it's used as leadership or its power. And even outside Ireland right now, if you go to almost any streaming website or podcast thing, there's some podcast or streaming thing about churches that have handled leadership poorly and have hurt people. Um, and that's something we need to be careful of, and that's something we need to be sad about. Um, and once again, when those things happen, rather than kind of sweeping on the rug and being like, well, that's not us, or we would never do that, is kind of ask ourselves, well, why did that happen, and what does the Bible say? And so that's kind of what we're going to try and do today. That's where we're going to try and go and see what's going on. Um, so I'm trying to get my notes here on the, the phone. So that being said, what we see Paul doing here is he's talking to people. And he starts out kind of this letter describing the apostles, describing the leaders, and saying uh, this really key word, servants of Christ. Right? He says, servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. And even that alone, we can get really used to sometimes hearing the word servant or servant leadership, and we can kind of go like, oh yeah, of course, servant, 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 servant. But this is somebody who had all the training, all the pedigree, all the accolades, like we just had you know, an All-Ireland champion come up here. Like, he was that of the Bible, right? Like, he's got it made. Um, he's also an apostle. Like He has seen Jesus He's done these amazing things. He started these churches all over the place. Like he is kind of the, the, the CEO almost of like, he knows what he's doing. Um, and once again, he's in the right. But the way he talks to them is really interesting is he starts, to, starts off by saying that he's a servant, right? 
he could have really easily gone and said, hey, I'm powerful, I'm special. Uh, yeah, do you know who I am? I'm Paul. You guys haven't heard of me. Um, and what he does is, he does something really interesting, is he goes in and he says, you know, who's judging him? Who's the people who are judging him? And he kind of does this thing, and, it, and it's important to note, he's not saying that the church can't judge him, but what he's saying is, hey, I'm responsible to God. That it's not about pleasing you guys, or even about my own conscience. It's not about if I think I'm in the right, it's about what does God say about what I'm doing? That that's his standard of accountability. Um, and he says, you know, it is the Lord who judges me. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. And that's just such a different way. And I think it's, once again, it's really interesting for us to sometimes read through the Bible and just kind of read over these sections and go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, of course. But, like, let's stop and think about that. That's really weird. Like, that's weird that he is kind of has everything together, kind of has all the power, has the thing to just kind of shut them down, and he says, you know what, I'm a servant to you, and I'm going to be accountable to God, and the way I live my life, the things that I try to hide or be secretive, they're going to come out, and so I need to honor you, I need to honor God with what I do. And this standard of leadership really starts to come out. Can I have the next slide? So you can see that following Jesus is not normal. And you can see as he goes throughout um, this letter, he's talking about what it means to follow Jesus. And he kind of goes into this thing, and he's, he's throughout his letter, throughout this whole entire thing, his point is, what does Jesus want? How should we live for Jesus? What is the stand that Jesus has? If I could have the next slide. So you can see here, leadership sacrifice and humility. And what he ends up doing is he kind of uh, goes and talks about what it means to be an apostle, right? And so I want us to think about this, really think about this, is, you know, we see, I mean, think of the churches called St. Paul's, whatever, cathedral, name it, right? Paul's a pretty big deal, right? Even now. And this is what he says about himself. It says, I am, uh, sorry, we are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. And he's saying that, and it's, once again, this is kind of the person who shouldn't be saying that. And it's really interesting, because when you actually go, and you go through the letter of Corinthians, one of the things that they're upset with him about is that he's too humble. Like, they're saying, oh, you're really important. Uh, you're preaching. You've been saved. You should be glorified. Like, Paul, you're doing it all wrong. You should be up on a pedestal. And that's how they're trying to live their lives. They're trying to live in this way of kind of like, well, we're saved and we have Jesus now so we can do whatever we want whenever we want to, right? Because at the end of the day, we know where we're going. And Paul is saying, no, 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 you've, you've missed it. Like, you've got a little glimpse of it, um, but you've missed it. Um, if I could have the next slide there. And this is the point that he's trying to make, is that Christ should be the focus of everything we do. 
So when we're leading, when we're living our lives, whatever we're doing, he's saying, Christ is the lens we put on. Um, I don't have them on today, but I have contacts on. But it's this thing, right? If you think of a lens, what am I seeing the world through? How am I seeing the world? How, are, how am I doing things? That everything is through this lens of Christ. In Christ himself. And what Paul ends up doing throughout the letter is he talks about himself, um, but he also points to Jesus and says, how did Jesus lead? How did Jesus live? What did Jesus do? You're claiming to be powerful and glorious and special, uh, but what did Jesus do? Like, what did God become flesh do? He humbled himself. Uh, he spent time with people who had no prestige and no power. He sacrificed himself. He literally gave his body up for us. Um, and he even became a human to be among us. And he's like, that's leadership, that's importance, that's glory. And once again, it can be really easy for us sometimes to just kind of read this and get used to it. But this is, this is what it looks like to live for Christ. This is what leadership looks like. This is arguably one of the most important, best preaching, high scholarly people in Christian history viewed his role. And so what does that say to us? How are we living? How are we leading? How are we doing things? Even being up here at the front, is it that, oh, the importance of standing up here, or are we being servants? Are we sacrificing ourselves? Are we being humble? Are we being ready to listen to what God has to say? If I got the next slide. So as we're thinking about this, um, Paul finishes this letter, and he says, once again, this isn't something to discourage even the people he's writing it to. He says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have any fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And once again, not to imitate him because he's important, but he's following Christ. And if he's following Christ, follow him as he follows Christ. He ends up talking about how he's going to send people to come help them. And once again, these are people who are falsely accusing him. And he's completely in the right. And he's so humble even as he shares with them what's going on. And he even says, some of you have become arrogant, uh, as if I were not coming to you, but I will come very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come in love with a gentle spirit? And sometimes people can take that verse and kind of go, oh, we'll see, like Paul's coming. He's going he's gonna to get the rod out, right? And no, he's saying, you're claiming that you want to live for Christ. You're claiming you have freedom in the free gift God has given and grace and, and all these different things. Live it out then. Don't live by these worldly standards. The power that he talks about when it says matter of talk, but of power, the power he's talking about is the power of the gospel, the power of sacrificing oneself, the power of this way that is so different, this way that has somebody who, by all means, would have been very important, very influential, once again, completely in the right, even in this matter, humbling themselves, taking the time to write this letter to say, hey, I'm a servant. I want to be humble. If you're accusing me of something, like, let me show you all the ways that I've sacrificed. Once again, not to glorify myself, but to show you this is not the point, right? 
And so the question for us, like I said, whenever we're doing these letters, whenever we're thinking about these things, um, it's good to know what was originally said, it's good to know the context, but how does this affect us? Um, and we might not all be leaders, per se, or in a leadership position. So the question is, how does this look? And I think this really is it. What would our world slash church slash community look like if this is how we lived? If we lived in this way, the oldest to the youngest of us, uh, whether we're in a direct leadership position or not, but if we had this top-down mentality of, hey, we live for Christ, we're humble, we sacrifice ourselves, we love others even when there's a cost to it, even when we're falsely accused, we're gentle and we're humble in spirit. Um, and like I said, whether that's at work, whether that's at school, whether it's somebody on our sport team that really gets the accolades that we should be getting, how do we live that? Right? And I think kind of the answer to that is we fast forward through history, we see these churches, we see these communities, and they grow and they become these huge things that we know today as the modern church, not because Paul was the most gifted speaker. Or we talked about Apollos last time, that he was the best preacher ever. And they came, they really brought the rod, and they put people in their place. No, it's because they love people. And because they were humble, they were kind, they were gentle in spirit. And this is really weird. Um, and there's a guy who writes, um, and he wrote this book, and it is basically called, like, Keep Christianity Weird, and, which is, like, a nice title. But it is that thought of, like, Christianity is weird. Following Christ is weird. This is not normal when we think of leadership, we think of power, we think of prestige, of humbling ourselves and loving others, even if it costs us. And to see Paul himself doing this, I'm taking the time to do this. And so as we close, um, what I'd like you to do, and, and hopefully it won't stop just here, is think about in your life, what would it look like? Like, like I said, we might not all be in a, a direct leadership position, but what would it look like to imitate Paul? To imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. To follow after Jesus, not just because we said a prayer um, or because we want to go to heaven and not go to hell, but every day of our life to live this way, to treat our neighbors this way, to treat our friends, our family, our enemies this way? What would that actually look like? And how would that affect people? So let me close in prayer, and then we'll, we'll have some worship. Uh, dear Father God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you yeah, just that you choose to use us, that you love us, that you care for us. Uh, I pray that any of the hardness of this message is just that it, it might go away, and that instead what would be left is your gospel, your love for us, for people, for people who are hurt or broken, and, and just this overall sense of humility, of um, lowering ourselves so that we can help others, sacrificing so that we can help others, um, and loving people as you love them, even when we're falsely accused, even when we, quote-unquote, have all the right answers, um, when we feel like we should be empowered, and instead we, we follow you, and we're humble, and that people would see that, and they'd want to be a part of that. So I pray that as, as not just for, for me or for us individually, but us as a church, what would that look like? And that we could wrestle and develop with those thoughts um, as we go forward, and especially as we go into this next week even of, of camp. Um, and even with young people, how are we treating these young people? How are we loving them in a way that the world doesn't do that? How are we showing them Christ's love? And so we pray this all in your name. Amen.